0: God loves you. He really loves you. And he wanted to reveal himself so we could know him. And together we could help the world. And so that is why we have the Bible. The Bible is his word to us. But so many people don't understand it. Or they've just been told wrong things about it. So many things affect the way we interpret the Bible, look at the Bible, or think about the Bible. And you know what? Too often we become bored with the Bible. So this is a podcast to hopefully refresh our relationship with the Bible, and in turn, refresh our relationship with God. My name's Ken, and I'm your guide on this refresh journey. And my prayer and hope is that it would be a fruitful one for both you and me. So welcome to my podcast Let's dive in. Hey guys, I'm super pumped today because we're starting the Sermon on the Mount. I'm back in town, so we're going to be picking up this podcast again, and we're in Matthew 5. The Sermon on the Mount is Matthew 5, 6, and 7, so it's three chapters. Now, when Matthew wrote this gospel, he didn't write chapters and verses. That came much later, much later by people who like us who like to organize and systemize everything. That's really not how the, the Jewish mind was thinking at the time. It was more, you know, just telling the stories or passing on the teachings. And what would happen is if you had a rabbi, in this case, Matthew's rabbi was Jesus, you would sit under his teaching for years. And this rabbi would have a core set of teachings that would he would often teach both to his disciples as well as to crowds. And so Matthew had sat under Jesus' teaching, and one of the main goals, one of the main jobs of a disciple is to take in the rabbi's teaching. It's to digest and to listen to this teaching over and over and over again. And so instead of taking notes and memorizing body parts like a doctor would, a disciple actually in a sense, memorizes, takes in all of the rabbi's teachings so that then they can represent the rabbi. They can become, in a way, a little rabbi, and they can teach the school that they came from. So it's very normal for a disciple to be able to communicate the entirety of the core teachings of their rabbi. And most likely, what we have in the Sermon on the Mount here is exactly that. It is Matthew taking the core teachings of his rabbi, Jesus, and presenting them to his audience. Was this Sermon on the Mount exactly in this order all at one time? Was this one particular time where Jesus taught to crowds on a mountain, where all of a sudden he laid out so many different things? Is this perhaps a time that he was on the mountain where he taught things, but then Matthew takes other elements of the core teachings of his rabbi and he puts them all in together to take advantage of this moment in his gospel to have them all at one time? All these are valid, viable theories. It doesn't really matter too much. What matters is, is this actually what Jesus taught? And that seems pretty easy to say yes to. Here we have a disciple of Jesus, Matthew, who is taking Jesus' core teachings and presenting them to a new audience. We see Luke doing the same thing. However, in Luke, it's a little different, a little shorter, and it's also called the Sermon on the Plain. So, was Jesus on a mountain? Was he on the plain? Are those two different times where he's teaching his core teachings? Was he on a plateau on top of a mountain. So it was a plain on top of a mountain. Once again, lots of different theories. Once again, not that important. Where he is, is not as important as what he says. So, with all that, let's look at Matthew 5. And just be forewarned, I'm going to try to get through this whole chapter, but I've had Bible studies where we spent hours on three words, and I'll tell you those words in a second here. So, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. So, here Jesus, he sees these huge crowds. Remember, he's a rock star. All these people are coming from as far as Syria, and they're coming, and so he goes up on a mountain and sits down. In other words, class is in session. And then his disciples come, and they, you know, join him. So, At this point, he's definitely speaking to his disciples, but the crowds are coming. So how much of the crowd is there yet? We don't know. Is this teaching just to his disciples or is it to the crowds? Or is it to his disciples with the intention of having the crowds over here? Or is it for the crowds with the intention of having his disciples over here? Once again, Obviously, his disciples are part of the audience, and so we have to take that into account to say that Jesus isn't just speaking to a random crowd, although there are people there, there's crowds there. He is speaking to his disciples as well or exclusively. So he's speaking to those who are already in. And that's important because when we look at this, we see that he's speaking to both those who are following him and those in the crowd who are just checking him out. So, verse 2. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. Once again, them can be, because it's weird, seeing the crowds, he went up, and then his disciples came to him. So, he opened his mouth and taught them. Most likely, them is the disciples, but once again, the crowds are coming. So verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. By the way, the Bible study that we spent three hours on three words, it was poor in spirit. And it was a great Bible study. It was years ago. It was back when I was in college. So, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Sort of poem, if you will, where Jesus is declaring the different blessings, the pe- and and not just the different blessings, but the people who are blessed. So he starts out with blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. In other words, those who are poor in spirit, they get the kingdom of God. Okay, what does that even mean? What's interesting is when you look at the the parallel sermon here, the Sermon on the Plain in Luke, he just says blessed are the poor, but We don't need to get into that at all because that'll take forever. And when we get to Luke, maybe we'll look at that. But blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So a lot of people would just simply say poor in spirit means those who are humble. Those who realize that they're in need spiritually. Those who realize that they are in need of a Savior. They are in need of a Lord. They are in need to be filled spiritually. Maybe they understand that they are impoverished Spiritually speaking, that they cannot do what they want to do. They cannot love the way that they want to love. They just cannot overcome sin the way they want to overcome sin. There's, a, there's an element of spiritual poverty here. And Jesus is saying, look, those people are not cursed. The religious leaders are telling you those people are cursed. The spiritually poor are cursed. And the people saying that those people are cursed consider themselves spiritually rich, right? The Pharisees consider themselves spiritually elite. And they would look at the spiritually impoverished and say, you're cursed. You don't have access to God because you are not strong spiritually. So there was this condition to become spiritually wealthy in order to... Have access to God or to be blessed. And Jesus is turning this around completely. And he's saying, Look, those people that are being told they're cursed, the spiritually impoverished, they're actually blessed. And you know what? You know why they're blessed? Because they get the kingdom of God, because they have access. They get invited. They are welcome in this kingdom. And when we hear this, it's just a few words, it's just a sentence. What gets lost to our ears is the absolute radical and confrontational nature of what Jesus is doing here. He is totally challenging the normal narrative. He is challenging the religious teachings. He is challenging the status quo. He's challenging authority. And not only that, he's telling his disciples... All the people that have been written off are not written off. In fact, we're going to put them in the front of the line. It's, ra- it's beautiful. It's radical. It's completely revolutionary. Okay, verse, the, next, the next beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Okay, so this is, hey, those people who are here in the crowd, who are mourning because they have sick children or they have been injured, or they've been having a disease and it's been ruining their lives. Well, you know what? In the kingdom of God, you're blessed because that morning will be comforted. It'll be comforted by the presence of God. It'll be comforted by redemption. It'll be comforted by entering into a kingdom that is greater than this. It'll be comforted by giving eternal life. But there's also this real tangible sense of You've had a sick child and you've spent your life savings trying to get this child healed. And this child is in pain. And you have gone to doctor after doctor after doctor and nothing's worked. And now you have just walked for days and days to see this rabbi, to see this prophet, to see this healer called Jesus. And Jesus is about to heal your child. That's a blessing. And you will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So blessed are the blessed are the humble. Blessed are those who are going to basically uh, inherit the earth. See, this is a weird one, right? There are people who are gonna do well relationally. There are people who are gonna do well here, now, on the earth, in its environment. And he's saying, look, the loudmouths, the powerful, the rich, they are claiming that the earth is theirs. They are claiming that they get it. However, Jesus is saying, those of you who are meek, those of you who are who are just more gentle, you guys are actually going to do well. Because... You're gonna be safe. People are gonna like you. You're gonna be honest. You are going to inherit the earth. Oh, also, with the, with the, those who mourn shall be comforted. Once again, it's another people group that the religious elite were saying were cursed. Your child is sick because of the sins of his father. Your child is sick because you're not obeying God. In other words, the sickness, or you're sick, your sickness, cannot be healed because it's actually a curse from God. And Jesus is saying, look, those who are mourning, you're blessed. You're not cursed because you're going to be comforted. All right, the meek, once again, you're not cursed for not having great strength or riches. You're actually blessed because you don't have these barriers that make you think you're the one doing it. Verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. How is this turning things on its head? Well, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, it sort of implies that they haven't arrived yet, that they're not righteous, but they long to be righteous. They want to be righteous so bad. And if they're not righteous, they don't make the cut, according to the religious leaders of the day. And Jesus is saying, you do make the cut, you are also welcome into the kingdom, you are also blessed, because that longing, that hunger, when you come into the kingdom, it will be satisfied, you will receive my righteousness, you will become righteous because I make you righteous. And so that longing, that hunger, that thirst, it will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. If you ever have been merciful to others, and it's just screwed you, and you go, what? I don't get how, you know, I'm, I'm done. I'm done being merciful because it just always backfires. I give people mercy and they just take advantage of me. And Jesus is saying, it may not feel like this gift of mercy that you have is a blessing but you are blessed because of it because you yourself in the end will receive mercy by god because you are also welcome in the kingdom blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see god right those who those who are just they're pure they're not scoundrels they're not judging they're not trying to jump through the hoops this possibly, excuse me, this possibly could be a real serious jab at the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. Because he's saying, look, they're the ones who say they're, they're going to see God. They're the ones who say they have access, a specific access to God because they are holy. They are the ones who are saying because they... You know, check off all these boxes and do A, B, and C, and, you know, focus on all the religiosity, that the highest of those gets to see God. And he's saying, No, no, guys, it's not those who check off the boxes, it's not those who jump through the hoops, it's not those who do religion. It's the pure in heart who get to see God, and they're blessed for it. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So those who make peace reflect what God wants to do, which is bring peace between man and himself. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Not very often would we as humans see persecution as a blessing. In fact, when you look at human history, persecution is, is seen as a curse that needs to be overcome. And Jesus is saying, when you get persecuted, for righteousness sake, not for being a jerk, but for righteousness sake, when you do my work, when you represent me, and you get persecuted, and it's hard for us in the West to really even understand this, but you got to understand that Jesus gets killed for this teaching, and then all his disciples get killed for this teaching soon after, not all of them, but all but one get killed for this teaching soon after he leaves. So, persecution, getting thrown in jail for this teaching, getting killed for this teaching, was a real thing that is just so foreign to us and so far from us. But, here's Jesus, a good rabbi, preparing, he's preparing his disciples and he's preparing his future followers that, look, you're going to get persecuted, but that's a blessing because that persecution comes with great rewards and you are possessor of the kingdom of heaven. You are part of the kingdom of heaven, and it is yours. Those who get persecuted for righteousness, you are not only in, but the kingdom belongs to you. Blessed are you. you. So all this is blessed are those, blessed are those, blessed are those. And then he looks at his disciples, he says, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. So he's saying, look, you guys are blessed as well. And you know when you're blessed? When people talk crap about you for my sake, when people make up stuff about you because you're representing me, he says, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. He's saying, look guys, when you get persecuted, rejoice, be glad. It's it's almost like, when you get kept after work for overtime, and it sucks, but you're happy about it because you're getting paid double pay, right? There's a sense of you're, you're rewarded when you get lost for Jesus. He makes it up in game. And that's a promise we see over and over again. The things we give up, the things we lose, the things that are taken from us, because of jesus because we represent him jesus returns those losses in gain and so it's never a loss that loss of time is returned in gain of double pay well jesus saying that loss of life is returned with eternal life those that loss of reputation is returned with eternal massive reputation So, there's a sense of it's not even a competition. So, gosh, we are not going to get through this chapter, but let's continue. Salt and Light, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So Jesus is saying, look, if you're in the kingdom, you are salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Okay, that's kind of a radical thought because he's talking to just these ordinary people who have been told... You're not good enough. He's looking at these ordinary people who are just fishermen who maybe didn't qualify to be disciples with other rabbis. He's looking at people who are sick, who have been told that God's doing this to you. He's looking at these rejects and he's saying, You, you who have been told that you are not even invited to the party. He's saying, you're not only in. You're not only blessed, you're not only part of the kingdom of God, but you're the salt and light of the world. You, when when God takes presence in you, when the Holy Spirit of God resides in you, when you are redeemed and blessed because you are part of the kingdom of heaven, you are the salt and light of the world. And Jesus is saying, don't, don't not. Be that. He's saying, that's who you are. So be that. Be that in abundance. Be that proudly. Be that freely. He's saying, if salt's lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? He's saying, look, salt flavors things. It brings out the flavor. A lot of people look at this and they say salt in that time because they didn't have refrigerators was used as a preservation But he's not talking about preservation. He's saying if it's lost its taste, right? So in the West, we take this and we say, yeah, you know, Christians and Jesus people are supposed to preserve the world, right? It's this idea of, you know, fundamentalism. It's this idea of we don't want to go forward. We want to preserve because as we move forward, the world becomes more and more corrupted, more and more sinful, And so we need to preserve as much as we can. We need to keep the holiness of the world. And I'm like, is that really what it's saying? (laughs) Like, I just, I don't know. He's talking about taste here. And it's just, that's not really even how the world works. Let's take something, for example. Let's take, um, let's just take sexuality. And, you know, we look at the people in the 50s who are saying we need to preserve our you know prudent our non overtly sexual culture because overtly sexual is is not godly well what are you preserving so they look at it and they say now you know there's this big movement of you know homosexual rights and homosexual um acceptance and there's this controversy in a lot of churches right now over this and there's those who are saying, we want to preserve, and those who are saying, no, we need to embrace. My point is not, I don't even want to get into that or even mention that, <laughs> that, that might come up later, um, but we'll talk about that when we get to Romans. So, my point is this, back in Jesus's day, in the, the Roman time, and even before that, thousands of years before, in King David's day, there were pagan temples where there was just, temple prostitutes and huge orgies that would happen as part of religion. Um, There were Roman, it was very known in the Roman world that pedophilia with boys and men happened a lot. And so you had way worse things than we have going on now. And so preserve, I mean, that's just how culture works. It just kind of comes in waves and ebbs. And so Jesus is talking about taste here. He's saying when we take salt and we put it on food to bring out the flavor. To highlight the goodness. He's saying that's what you do. He's saying bring out the flavor of the earth. Show how the earth is good. Show how people are good. Let people taste the joy, the goodness. Let people taste the love. Let people taste the These wonderful tastes. And he's saying, but when salt has lost its flavor, how can it get back? And I can't help but wonder, is that where some of our churches are today? Have they just, have they become a stink of the earth? Not the salt, not bringing out the flavor, but constantly trying to judge the earth. Constantly trying to kill the earth the life of the earth, constant trying to put down the earth. Instead of instead of bringing out the richness, they kill it. And are those churches, is that what Jesus is talking about? Because some of those churches, to me, I'm an eternal optimist. I don't think anything's ever beyond repair, but it seems like they've chosen a path that just gets darker and darker and uglier and uglier as they go down this path. And it doesn't seem like they're really doing anything good for their communities anymore or even the people in their in their communities, which breaks my heart, and once again, I'm never going to just write off completely any church, but you know Jesus has some strong words here if you're not if you're not bringing the salt, if you're not making things better, well, you might be done. And then he says, "You are the light of the world, a city on a hill cannot be hidden." So he says, look, people don't don't take lights and put them under lamps. People don't, a city on a hill, you can't even hide a city on a hill. So he says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So he's saying, look, just don't hide. Let people see you're my people. And he's saying, and do good works out there in the earth. Make the earth better. And then let them know it's for me. There's people who say, you know, who quote, and I don't even know if this is actually a Francis of Assisi quote or not, but they, you know, he gets the credit. He says, "Um, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary use words. Well, Jesus is saying, no, do good works and preach the gospel. (laughs) He's saying, let it be known that you're the reason you're doing, that I'm the reason you're doing good works. Let them know that I'm the power behind those good works. Let them know that I'm the source of those good works. Let them know about me and shine, shine with your good works. Now, we have to be careful here because Jesus is not, once again, he's turning over. He's completely bringing a religious revolutionary saying, look, the religious leaders, they, they let their good works be seen so that they get praised. Jesus is saying, let your good works be seen. So I get praised. It's a total shift. It's not about I'm great, but Jesus is great. But he's saying, your light, your light is real. You are the light of the world, so be it. Don't hide it, don't cover it up, don't be ashamed of it. And let the goodness that comes from being my disciple be seen. Not because that's what gives you salvation, not because that's what what makes you the light. He's saying, you are the light, be the light. So it's a very different thing of, do good works get me accepted by God? That's what was taught. That's still what's taught today. And Jesus is saying, no, because you're accepted by God, you will do good works. So in, in one sense, it, it can look very similarly, but what's happening underneath, what's happening behind the scenes is not, I do this to get accepted, I do this because I'm accepted. I don't do this to get loved, I do this because I'm loved. I don't do this to become light. I do this because I am light. So that is already, gosh, I knew this was going to happen. 16 verses and we're already 30 minutes in. So I'm going to stop here. But tomorrow we're going to continue chapter 5. And hopefully we can move a little quicker. Thanks for listening. And once again, remember, what Jesus is doing here is he's turning the world upside down. He's looking at the people who are told, you're not good enough, you're cursed, you're darkness, you are left out. And he's saying, you're blessed, you're light, you're you're in, I'm yours. Have a great day.